Good morning. It is Monday, November 28th, 2022, and this is DC Signal to Noise. Since we last talked, number one, I saw enough turkey consumed to keep a barn or two in business for another year. COVID shutdowns turned into protests and general unrest in China. The Federal Reserve minutes suggested a slowdown in the pace of interest rate increases. Another week passed with no resolution to the labor negotiations with the railroads and the Cyclone basketball teams are off to a pretty good start. Both made it to the finals in their tournaments over the weekend. Men's team knocked off Villanova and North Carolina to get there. So we're off to off and rolling on the basketball season. Welcome to you all. I'm glad that you're with us. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory, and that is pro former policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. How and you doing, the Washington Jim? Commanders have won, what, five in a row? That's big for here. The command, oh, the Commanders. Okay, football the football. Team. Yeah, that, fo that football team. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. We'll take uh, it. Are they, uh, are, are they a playoff contender, Jim? They could. They're, it's very close, actually, but they're yeah. they're going nowhere. But at least we're building a defense, and I like that. Well, are you going to get new owners anytime soon? They better. <laughs> I know that that's being pushed. Uh, just a reminder to everyone that if you would like to participate in the conversation, if you've got a question or a comment that you'd like to hear us discuss, uh, go ahead and include it in the comments. I see Melody is back. Welcome, Melody. It's good to talk with you again. And um, let, let's jump into a couple of things here, Jim. And I want to start with, with issues from last week. The Fed minutes that were released on Wednesday of last week before we, we started on the holiday break, uh, it, 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 the minutes were much more dovish than what I anticipated based on some of the comments from Reserve Chairman uh, Powell in his, his press briefing. That's what the, the majority of uh, analysts uh, commented. But, you know, Chip, I take the uh, other side of that. Okay. Uh, a few analysts I respect saying, look, the key is that the Fed continues to say the Fed funds rate, the terminal rate, that's when they stop increasing rates, is going to be higher than they thought in September. And that uh, signals a Fed funds rate of 5% or maybe even higher. Uh, that, that's not uh, bullish for stock markets. So uh, we're going to hear from uh, Fed Chairman uh, Jerome J. Powell on Wednesday. And you know, his recent appearances have tanked the equity market. So we're going to see. Yeah. yeah. As you said, more comments coming from Powell yet this week. The um... I, one of my guests last week, I believe it was on Wednesday, Jim Emter from the Van On Company, uh, basically took your your line of reasoning as well, Jim, and, and said, hey, this is suggesting a Fed funds rate somewhere in the range of five and a half percent. Yeah. Which, if based, based on when it happens and because of the change in the year to year comps in the inflation rate, that could put the Fed funds rate on top of the inflation rate. Uh, yes, because that's assuming the inflation rate will go down to three to three and a half 
percent. Absolutely. Yes. The, the, the Fed usually goes two percentage points above on the Fed funds rate to really get control of inflation. Now, we have to see inflation going down, and I really think it is going down. Well, I, I wonder if it isn't myself. Uh, I, I've seen some some hints that, that inflation is backing off, but then I see other things like, well, mostly in the grocery store, Jim, you know, where real dollars are spent. Yeah. Uh, that I, I'm just not seeing that really back off at this point. And a lot of that has got to do with the delivery costs and the labor costs in getting that food from the processor to the to to the outlet. All true. And and again, now I know we're going to get to China, but now we got this logistical uh, constraints that have been improving. Uh, now uh, we're we're going to get another hit on 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 the logistics as well, Jeff. But on you know, Wall Street Journal had a big story today on some food prices are really going down. Chicken. They're down significantly over the last month or so. So we're, we're seeing some glimpses of uh, yeah. inflation reduction. Yeah, that's one of the spots. But if as long as we're talking about those feathered friends of ours, uh, look at the egg prices because egg prices really haven't started to back off yet. And there, there's other reasons for that. I mean, we uh, Nebraska is dealing with another uh, high path avian influenza outbreak that is is it's going to depopulate some some uh egg layers again so it uh kind of kind of a sketchy situation there when yes. it comes to the supply of eggs no question um okay it, what else on the fed what do we get this week that that you think the fed is going to be really watching don't we get the second look at the GDP. We get the second look at the GDP. And you know, the, the, the fourth quarter GDP, again, we're going to get the second second uh, guess at the third quarter, I believe it is. Right. But, you know, some, some analysts increasingly are saying 4% are above GDP for the fourth quarter. That, you know, that puts uh, the Fed right back in the box again because uh, that's not impacting the U.S. economy as much as they think that uh, these higher rates, uh, you know, should be doing. So, yeah, we're going to get that. Uh, we're going to get, again, Fed uh, Powell's uh, speech on Wednesday, and I think he'll probably take an opportunity to clarify what the Fed is indeed looking at relative to the, uh, while they could, uh, while they could uh, uh, lower the, the rate increase, it's, uh, it's still an increase, Chip. Right, right, again, right. Yep, I'm uh, all on board with that. I yeah. am one. It, it, it I, I agree completely. It's still an increase in interest rates and an increase in cost for consumers out there. Uh, one thing that we did not see last week, as far as I can tell, anyway, Jim, and we talked about it with our friend Ken Erickson from SP Global Commodity Insights uh, last week, and that is the lack of pro of apparent progress in reaching an agreement between the labor unions and the railroads. What's the status there? Well, the, the, you still have a number of uh, uh, you know, labor unions, pretty powerful ones, saying still no to it. Uh, it's been relatively quiet, Chip. Uh, frankly, I think that's a good sign. Uh, you had the White House press secretary saying Biden is uh, uh, involved in the talks, and then you had Biden quoted saying no, 
uh, he's not directly involved. I, I think what he really meant to say, and the press secretary should have known, different people in his cabinet, including Labor Secretary Walsh, is deeply involved in those talks. Yeah. They better be, and they are, Chip. So yeah. uh, it's uh, not yet December. We have the ceasefire one until December the 9th. Uh, Congress, they don't usually act very fast on anything. But on this one, if they needed to, they would act. And I know Tanner is asking, us, yeah. what happens if Congress has to act on the railroad negotiations? They'll act fast. Uh, what rights are stripped from workers and does a set percentage increase in wages look what what does a, 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 a percentage boost in wages look like for real workers? Well, they're going to probably go they meaning Congress probably going to go back close to what the Biden administration negotiated to begin with. They may to they'll have to tweak it a little bit, but that's probably they won't have their wages tweaked much at all. If anything, sure. you know, maybe a, a, a even higher. It should be labor friendly, uh, but that remains to be seen. But Congress will act. There's no doubt in right. my mind. Right. Yeah. Uh, the the second part of Tanner's question there: What rights are stripped from workers, and does it set a percent increases in wages look like for the rail workers? It. I don't think it. Stripping rights from the workers seems uh, a little aggressive in the wording. Uh, yeah, I didn't know what what, what that yeah. meant. So I yeah, won. okay, okay, <laughs> very good. Uh, and just to put a bow on the egg situ situation for Melody, uh, much like the beef shortage during Jimmy Carter's term, prices uh, uh, doubled the once the shortages were over. Egg production will satisfy demand, but prices will remain high. That's probably right, at least for the near term, because getting the production back up to levels that were were in place before the uh, before the AVI set in is, is going to be difficult. You know, um, Chip, on the inflation front, I saw a figure, uh, maybe it was from a White House official, that we're, in a, we're, we're still working off of all that additional increase in savings Americans garnered throughout the COVID, but we're getting near the end of that. Yeah. And I think that's when it's really going to hit, yeah. uh, you, you know, the economic situation and the price rises. Yep. Credit card spending is already starting to go up, yes, and that's going to continue. It. Yeah. Uh, USDA has extended the comment period for livestock poultry proposed rule on competition. Um, so any changes to the Packers and Stockyard Act, right? Yes. Uh, well, it's just USDA typically, it's rare when they don't extend the comment period. But on this one, it 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 really made sense, Chip, because you have a number of rules that now the comment period can, can better resolve some of those other issues so people have more time to comment on. It makes sense on this one. I don't agree with a lot of the extensions. It's just a process that this town goes through. But still, yeah. on, on, on this one, since it's so complex, and multi-layered, uh, uh, I think the additional time makes total sense. Okay, very good. Well, we're going to have Tanner Bamer from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association on the show this morning to discuss the extension and a couple of other issues sure. that NCBA is dealing with right now. So we've got that. Okay, uh, anything else from last week that you feel like we need to 
talk about or well on the trade front you saw brazil uh, is selling uh, corn to china, china i, I yeah. call it a mega change and yeah. it, it, that's going to be we'll look back and saying that was the beginning of a fairly aggressive push chip by yeah. both countries to trade uh, corn with uh, on on the side and, and that's got longer term implications for the u.s and at least short term here in the u.s corn market how much corn will uh, Brazil sell them? Because you can take a very tight U.S. corn stock situation and loosen it up a little bit as yeah. a result of that, if it continues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing to keep in mind on this is if China steps in and starts buying Brazilian corn, other countries that were buying Brazilian corn are going to have to find corn someplace else. It'll, it'll change. It, yeah, it'll change <laughs> the, the, trade, the, the trade flows might change a little bit. But the bottom line is on coarse grain and on corn is that the globe is consuming more than we are producing on an annual basis. But the, so, but the, but the period of purchases, though, the timing uh, could affect the markets. Oh, know? sure. Yeah. Oh, will. Yeah. Will, will affect the markets. Yeah. We're going to have to get used to a, a, a brand new dynamic in the market, and that is China buying Brazilian corn. I, I'm not arguing that. Yes, and that gets yeah. into tra U.S. trade policy, too, because uh, I've had some pretty smart people tell me China is allying with uh, uh, Russia, with Brazil, Argentina, and that's going to change some uh, trade flows. And our trade policy has to look into that because we're going to mm -hmm. have to get different types of trade agreements and not so much an ag chip. What I'm beginning to sense from, again, veteran trade policy people is we should, uh, one of our biggest competitive advantages is in the services industry, banking and investment. And so we may take that approach in order to increase uh, U.S. trade around the world and maybe agriculture will follow. But, but I, I'm hearing that wherever I go now. Okay. All right. Very good. Let's move on to this, what happened over the weekend. And what happened over the weekend were more COVID shutdowns in China, a fire in one of the lockdown uh, apartment buildings, uh, and protests in the streets. And these are the, the most uh, widespread, uh, the most intense uh, protests that we've seen out of China in 30 or 40 years. Long Jim. time, yes. Yeah. And and you saw it in Apple stock is, I don't want to say free falling, but it's down significantly because uh, that's a key uh, region, Zhenzhou, uh, in their iPhone you know, pro production. And uh, the logistics issues ar arise again, Chip. And from a longer term uh, perspective, China's the second largest economy. And uh, it looks their healthcare system is not ready for a non zero COVID atmosphere. So right. they're in a box now, Chip. And the markets are beginning to sense that. You saw the Hang Seng index down significantly. Across the board, you've got you, it really hit the oil futures. The WTI futures now have, have lost all the gains they had the entire year. So it's yeah. a market factor for sure. Yeah, no question about it. The crude oil market is down around 74 bucks this morning. 
in the front month. Uh, Apple is off about 2.1% this morning. So, And that hurts the equities market because so much is weighted for Apple. Yeah, absolutely. That That is absolutely right. Um, what, what do we do on this, Jim? Is it something that we just have to sit and watch? Uh, yes. Uh, it looks like today calm is there throughout China, most of China. From what I can see, uh, G, this is the first serious domestic uh, issue that uh, we, we can watch of how G responds. Now, what China has hit, historically done is issue 15 to 20 point plans to try to soothe the situation. So we're going to see. But th this is major, Chip, because this goes into the world economy because so many Southeast Asia countries uh, rely on China. It's a China-centric world to them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can I ask you, does it get worse before it gets better? I think what so. are your thoughts? I think so. I hope I'm wrong. But I just didn't. I, with, look at the combinations of things here. We've got the second largest economy in the world. Just And they were faltering economically even before this, Chip. Uh, you've got Canada coming out officially and calling them a, 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 a basically a bad player in the world. And then you have still the labor, uh, wildcard labor uh, you know, situation in the U.S. with increasing interest rates. And as you said, some still uh, rather high prices. So it's not an atmosphere, a good atmosphere for the world economy, including the U.S. So uh, it's just dire straits as far as I'm concerned. And I don't like to be negative. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like to be negative either. But we're, we are talking about um, one of the biggest buyers of U.S. agricultural products. So if there's any disruption at all to that, that creates some issues in small town Iowa. Yes. So it, uh, it obviously is something that we need to pay very close attention to. Okay. Um, anything else? Well, let's jump to the week ahead because we've got a little bit of ground to cover here. And it's all about a continuing resolution, isn't it? Yeah, here we go again. Yeah. Uh, Congress had well over a year to get this budget that really started. Fiscal year 2023 began October 1. And it's some of the same issues. What's the overall spending level? How much for defense? How much for domestic spending. They eventually settle it, Chip. And this is what's so frustrating, not only to me, but I think the majority of Americans who even want to take a look at it. So the key is we have a continuing resolution, a stopgap spending measure, if you will, uh, through uh, December the 16th. Uh, there were reports over the weekend that uh, the talks between the Democrats and Republicans weren't going well, that the Democrats in the uh, House, at least, was putting together their own omnibus spending bill. Uh, so uh, it's still only November 28th. So this thing can come together very quick. Uh, bottom line, they'll eventually get it done. I just don't know whether it'll be another kicking the can down the road with extending the uh, you know, uh, continuing resolution into uh, early 2023, but that causes problems in and of itself because uh, the Republicans will take control of the House. It looks like 
the ratio is going to be 222 to 213. Now, that's a four-seat advantage when you look at the vote. vote. It's a yeah. nine, nine vote spread, a nine, nine spread. Yeah. Uh, that will solve nothing because if you have the far, some far-right activist in the Republican Party, and historically they'll do it, they'll try to use the, this as leverage chip to try to get what the Democrats won't want to give. So you're, this is what's the, the uh, battle here. So I hope we're going to see what I think we should see in the new Congress. The centrist are the more practical lawmakers from both political parties will get together and ink out a new funding bill. And if that happens, that could be the template uh, for some other issues in the new Congress next year. Now, that's my positive cap. I hope that happens. Uh, history shows that it's hard to get to. But I think uh, lawmakers from both political parties, when they went back home, they heard from their constituents. Yeah. We don't like what's going on in Washington at all, either, either political party. So we're going to this is going to be a, the initial test of whether a centrist uh, practical lawmakers from both parties can finally get together. It's going to be quite a test, too. Yeah, because we have to go to the psychological change yep. that's in politics right now from we to they, to yep. us. We have to, we have to get to, to the middle ground again. I think it's coming. I just don't know when. Okay. Well, uh, well, Did Reagan allow companies to fire union workers? A question from Tanner. After the intervention of the government, I think Reagan got it. That was the airline. Yeah. That was the towers. That that was the um, geez, the air the, the people yeah, who the, sit in the towers and look at planes. Right, the traffic guys. <laughs> air traffic control. There you traffic. go. Good grief. Could not think of it. Oh boy! Yeah, air traffic controllers. Yep. Sure. <laughs> Look at you. Big Apple Joe's scrambling to help us out there with the air traffic controllers. Thank you, Big Apple Joe. We appreciate that. Um, did he allow him to fire him? Or yeah, they fired. Yeah, him. Uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, clearly, yeah. And that's that's in his aura. You know, that's he was he was a, a hero amongst some business people. Let me tell right. you. Right. Okay. You know, Melody asked a good question. BRICS nations trying are they trying to restructure trade and banking and fuel, trying to end the petrodollar? Absolutely. And I think in the years ahead, you don't change, you don't get at the dollar power right away. Uh, I remember doing a research report of how long it took to move from the British pound to the U.S. dollar, and it was from the 1890s to the 19. Uh, Twenties uh, or thirties, so it takes a lot. It takes a while, but everything is accelerated nowadays. But I think clearly, China. Uh, what the Russian war on Ukraine showed is that uh, the dollar currency is hurting Russia. Uh, the the weight of the dollar currency is the currency, and they're going to take action never to have that happen again. And gotcha. it, eventually, it will probably succeed. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Wednesday, November 30th, that is the, the, the court enforced deadline for EPA to deliver the renewable volume obligation blending rates 
under the RFS. Yes, and no give on that one. Uh, they'll they'll announce. They better announce. It. Uh, so we're going to see not only uh, for for next year, but for the reset for the future chip. Now they'll have finalized it uh, sometime what June next year. Uh, but we're finally going to get, I hope, uh, uh, EPA back on track on multi-year RFS uh, uh, issues, incl also including how they're going to constitute uh, ERINs for the electric uh, vehicles. Now, <laughs> it'll probably take a few weeks or longer to have this show up in the Federal Register, uh, but they're going to have the specifics when they make the announcement. So we're going to finally, hopefully, have some clarity. And as I wrote over the weekend, nobody will like what they say, which means that they probably went the middle of the road in most issues. Uh, you know what? It, based on the preliminary discussions between RFA and EPA and uh, Growth Energy and EPA, I think there's a willingness to be satisfied with the blending obligations in the reset. I, I, the, they've been told to expect good things. And what it and Michael Regan at EPA, when it comes to the blending requirements, it, he's he's kind of telegraphed fairly well what what the results are going to be. I just hope they carry through, and I will be very thankful if we don't get negative comments out of the biofuel lobbyist. It's okay. been a while. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely has been a while. And speaking of that, we've got Emily's score lined up and ready to go on Thursdays, December 1st, on, uh, on AgriTalk. To I want to ask her reaction. Emily, Chip, uh, why, why does she think Congress hasn't weighed in on this one? Well, so it, is, it should be part of their role. Why leave it up to an administration yeah. and EPA when it should be the task of uh, lawmakers? Well, and and months ago, Jim, when when we had sec, uh, yeah Secretary Reagan on the on AgriTalk, and we asked him about whether or not he would like to see Congress more active in determining what the reset of the RFS looks like, he absolutely indicated that they wanted more in, input from Congress. Yes. So, I I I don't know. Um, why they haven't engaged? Yeah, probably there's just no consensus. Of, there's no the win. Hill. Yeah, there, no yeah, win. There's no win. That's why they haven't gotten True. engaged. Although, when, whenever I speak, corn-based ethanol has a role to play, and I know you totally agree with this, Chip, in this climate ag smart uh, uh, you know programs. Uh, mm -hmm. They they do have a role because some corn producers are getting down saying, well, you know, they have to be, uh, you know, where's the future of the renewable fuel standard program, et cetera, et cetera. But there's an offset to that of how, uh, you know, corn-based ethanol Listen. can play a significant role in, in the yeah. future. Yeah. You, you know, when you see the refining companies and companies like ADM that are joining forces to provide fuel for the aviation industry and that sustainable aviation fuel, uh, Secretary Vilsack is very quick to point out that it's a 30 billion something gallon market uh, that that could be a source of huge demand 
for biofuels going forward. Now, to me, that's a be careful what you ask for kind of situation, because if if the biofuels are are being asked to provide 30 billion gallons, that's going to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> And I yeah. think one of the EPA questions they were going to comment on, I have to go back and look again, is this sustainable aviation fuel or the use of uh, soybeans for biofuels? Right. Right. Okay. A uh, couple of other things that are coming up this week that might be flying a little bit under the radar for some, but I think are important. Uh, we've got the merger, the proposed merger of Kroger and Albertsons grocery chains. Uh, this one's getting a lot of attention, Jim. Yeah, antitrust hearing. Yep. You've got uh, uh, Amy Klobuchar as the chairwoman, and you know she wrote the book recently on antitrust. It's about that wide. Okay, has a lot of footnotes. <laughs> okay, I take it to bed at night to sleep. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a page turner. Let me put it this way. Sorry, <laughs> Senator Klobuchar, uh, but it 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 shows her focus on this issue and you know she usually follows through so yeah. that's my angle on this one chip uh she wants to follow through on some of these big big mergers and you have uh, uh other uh, aspects of the antitrust moving in washington as well yeah yeah and in the uh in the idea that hey you know what the horse is out of the barn running down the gravel road uh, disturbing traffic. Let's go shut the barn door now. Uh, we've got a crypto hearing that's coming up this week. It's about time. It, it was wild west. I just experimented just to learn about crypto. And I, this was months ago. It helped pay for my you know, kitchen, by the way. But I didn't do the trading. I met two young Chinese uh, uh, youngsters, literally, in D.C. at a meeting one time, and they helped me in the early days of crypto. But it was I couldn't I couldn't believe how fast it moved, Chip. Right. Uh, and it was I could never. And what caused the movement? Yeah, I could never understand the process, and you had to babysit it, and I don't oh. have the time to do that. Uh, bottom line on this one. Congress has been told for well over a year that this industry was was ready to implode and it should have some regulation behind it. And uh, we're seeing that now. Yeah. And uh, Gary just made the point that this uh, is going to involve Ag Committee Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow from Michigan and uh, John Bozeman, the ranking Republican on the Ag Committee, Senate Ag Committee from Arkansas, because that's where the that's where the authority to regulate through the CFTC lies. Not only that, Gary, you're spot on, but she's up for re-election in 2024. So she'll want to be seen as hands-on. And uh, you know, Ms. Stabenow, when she again puts her attention to anything, uh, like Klobuchar, she has significant follow-through and usually gets what she wants. All right. I'll give you 30 seconds to wrap it up, Jim. Anything in particular? Oh, I'm going to Missouri tomorrow uh, to uh, FCS Financial. Then I head up to, uh, I've got MKC coming up 
the following week. This is my 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 coffee mug. <laughs> I've got a farm journal milk conference. I've got a crop insurance meeting in Champaign, Illinois. I've got Mississippi Farm Bureau coming up, and the crop insurance meeting is. Uh, oh, I wish I could. I know him so well, <laughs> Jansen. Jansen, I know it's Jansen. Anyway, I've got some 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 trips coming up. Oh, and the USA Rice Federation. I don't know my twelfth straight year of that coming yeah. up uh, in Austin, Texas, one of my favorite places. So. Uh, all you uh, signal to noise uh, listeners or viewers, come at me and tell me what you want less of, more of, and yeah. uh, also on AgriTalk because we've got a big, a growing audience, Jeff. I can tell. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of AgriTalk, I mentioned it earlier, uh, but this morning, ten oh six Central, we've got Tanner Bamer from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and Machinery Pete. Uh, this afternoon, 206 Central, when we talk the markets, Tommy Grisafi from Advanced Trading. Have a great week, everybody. Keep watching for those signals. Mm -hmm.